This season, we're sponsored by our friends at SongTrust, the world's largest and most accessible music publishing administrator. Sign up now to join over 300,000 songwriters and collect your publishing royalties from more than 215 countries and territories. Use the promo code PUBCAST20 to sign up at 20% off your SongTrust registration. Welcome, friends, to this episode of the AIMP National Pubcast. On this episode of the Pubcast, we have Jeremy Stoker, hit songwriter, producer, and owner of Red Creative Group. We get to know Jeremy and how he manages his time and balances his work life. Welcome, listeners, to the AIMP National Pubcast. Today, we are very excited to be sitting with the one and only Jeremy Stover. I've known Jeremy for a really long time now. We're not even going to talk about how long we've known each other, Jeremy, because I don't like to age myself anymore. (laughs) But uh, Jeremy, I met originally as a songwriter, but he has taken songwriting into the world of production, into the world of now publisher, owner, and artist developer, and just all of it. You you have more titles than I even know how to add on to your name at this point, Jeremy, and and I say that in a positive light, but... uh, Let's just jump off, man. Maybe you can walk people how you went from songwriter to now in a short, brief period of time. You want to you want to attempt that in a short period of time? Uh, yeah, sure, Tim. Uh, hey guys, I just uh, you know started out songwriting. I moved to Nashville uh, in the mid '90s and went to Belmont University. I worked whatever jobs I could for five years after getting that great college degree that, I, that my parents paid a lot of money for, <laughs> and. You know, in the year 2000, I uh, got offered my first publishing deal um, at Starstruck Entertainment, which is Rebus Company. Uh, through that process, uh, I had my first hit in 2003 with Emerson Drive's Falling to Me. And over the next three, four years, I um, was very fortunate to have a lot of singles. And through that period of time, um, you know, record company started taking notice of my demos. And through that process, I started producing records um, and still producing today. And once the production career took off, I was able to start uh, Red Creative Group, which is a uh, publishing and artist development company. And since then, uh, we've had numerous artists um, that have accomplished uh, record deals and songs on the charts. And we've had writers that are, that are, um, still thriving with uh, songs being recorded. And I just feel a fortunate part of that uh, to be able to uh, help other people accomplish what I've accomplished. Well, you did it, man. That was a short, but very succinct bio. I like it. Right. Right to the point. I, one of the things I like to touch on is like, it's a natural progression for me uh, from back in the days when uh, we first started out, when, when a writer would do a lot of demos, uh, of course, back then it was typically full bands, more in the studio type stuff. And it was not unusual that writers would get really good at that craft of production and get off, off opportunities outside of that. So that's kind of a natural uh, give. And, and I remember your demos always sounding amazing. But one of the things that I like to ask because you are an owner of a company, what, what was it that made you the impetus really that made you go, I want to do that? Cause that's a big leap and not every writer is able to, to make that leap and start developing and working with, with other writers. What was the trigger for you that made you go, I, I want to do that? Well, I think the main thing was, 
you know, my first couple of jobs, um, you know, I worked in the like a tape copy room um, at a couple of publishers on Music Row. And through that process, got to know other writers and all of that. And, you know, a lot of those writers that I got to know at that time um, really encouraged me um, in my songwriting. And, you know, I would write at night, you know, after work and, and you know, did that for four or five years before I got my first publishing deal. But it's, to me, and I don't want to say it's just a way to give back, but it's like, it's more of like finding things that I believe in that my gut says this is something musically uh, and I like them as people. And, and maybe it, you know, in the beginning, you know, there's a lot of those type of people that I work still work with now that hadn't had any success and I'd had success. And I, you know, I wanted to uh, be able to uh, let them experience what I've experienced uh, through the process. And, um, that's really the biggest driving factor for me in that regard. I love that. It's like uh, giving back, like providing opportunities for, for those that you, that provided you opportunities. I kind of see it as a give back, you know, like a, and a mentorship because as you know, in our business, you can go to do the school thing, but I bet and we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit uh, down the road on our combo a little bit. We find mentors that groom you, that teach you really what the business is like. Books don't do it. School's great. Not knocking Belmont. I went to NTSU, but when you get in there, really it's through those mentors and those early believers that you learn to grow in the business, right? Oh, for sure. You know, I think for me, you know, it was, it was those writers. It was a couple of different publishers um, that when I started playing them my songs, you know, um, and that's how I got my first publishing deal, you know, in, in a lot of ways is, uh, there's a guy named Michael Martin who was a friend of mine and I played him some songs. I'd saved up $3,500 over a couple of summers because I wanted to go do 10 demos the way that I wanted to do them, you know, and I'd gotten to know some musicians that I liked and studios I liked and engineers I liked. And so I went and demoed 10 songs that I'd written. Well, you know, I played, I played some of those for Michael. And, you know, the next day he calls me. He goes, hey, this one's on hold for Faith Hill. Hey, this one's on hold for Rascal Flatts. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, you know, I would, and he didn't have an agenda. You know, he just, he was like, man, I love this and I love what you're doing. And, you know, and I, I didn't sign a publishing deal there. And he wasn't asking me to. And that's really you know, what kind of sparked me taking all the meetings I took and, you know, having an opportunity at Starstruck. When you hear an artist, what is it, or writer, could be either one, is there something that, that intrinsically makes you go, man, I got to work with that person? Do you, do you date them? Is it a slow process? Or is it kind of a quick, like, oh, man, I got to do this? Like, how, how does that work in your world? Well, I think it's changed a lot, you know, with some of my success. You know, at the time that I met Adam, I, you know, I'd had some success as a writer and as a producer. You know, I mean, the way I met him is, I, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to produce Justin Moore since the beginning of his career. And Justin is from Little Rock, Arkansas, and he called me one day. And he goes, man, he goes, I just heard a guy on Good Morning Arkansas in Little Rock. He goes, his name's Adam Habrick, and you should check him out. And so I go to his, I find a website, I go to the website, you can send an email. So I send an email to Adam, 
and I never hear back. Send another email. And he he finally calls me. And, you know, I think he probably thought it was some weirdo, you know, trying to trying to sign him or something. And and so I think for me, when I heard Adam's voice, it took me a place that like that I per se never that I just had never heard like what I thought country music could be, really, you know, as far as his vocals and his melodies and like there's a mystery to his lyrics. And so for me, it was the passion was way about just his level of talent. I thought his greatness was like his voice and his melodic sense. And typically I get really excited when I see something great in someone. You know, I mean, and, and what's interesting about that for me is I feel like I'm kind of like a hack. You know, I'm just kind of good at everything. And people like Adam have some greatness. And so for me, I think that's what really flames the passion is when I see something great in someone. You guys have been working together. Is, is it coming up on eight years, nine years? You guys have been together for a minute. It's almost like a marriage. <laughs> but yeah, I've been really fortunate to continue to work with him and and just see his talent grow and his success grow and you know, now he's in a position, you know, on Capitol Records to have an opportunity to, you know, to get his voice out there. And I'm really happy for him to have that opportunity. Yeah, I can't, can't not have mentioned he, he had two number one hits as a writer, which also parlayed his way into uh, helping him get a record deal. And now he does have that record deal and continuing that process and still continues to get cuts with other artists. He's a, a massively talented young man that's going to do great things and continue. Well, continue. He's already done great things, but continue to do great things in the business. So Adam's not the only artist you have over there at Red Creative uh, Group. That seems to be a focus of yours. You want to touch on, I've watched you work with, uh, I know you got Travis Danning over there. You have LJ over there and you do such a great job on finding these really unique, each one of your artists is very unique to themselves, which I think really cool because I like to, you know, when I work with things, I try to find things that aren't going to step on each other's toes because I'm an intimate company and you don't want them being in the same lane, but you've done a really unique job of finding these talents. But let's talk a little bit about Travis and, and it, well, you can talk about any of the other artists that you uh, are working with, but I've really watched how you've dug in with him and he's really kind of getting his legs underneath him now as an artist. The kid's just crazy talented. And if you guys, I've got to put this out there, if you've never seen Travis standing live, you're doing yourself a disservice. You got to go see this kid. He's a ridiculously good guitar player and just an entertainer. But so anyway, I'll pass the ball over if you like to discuss Because <laughs> the artist is your thing. You can tell that's where a passion is, right? Yeah, it is. It is, you know. And I and like with Travis, for instance, it's more of the same of what I had touched on with Adam. You know, it's like when I first saw him play guitar and sing – um, I was just like, this 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 guy is one of the greatest guitar players I've ever seen live, you know? Um, and and so it just kind of fueled his passion of like, okay, now let's let's start here. And obviously it has a great voice. I mean, his the first gig he ever played, he played with Marshall Tucker band, I guess, in in Macon, Georgia. His dad got him up on stage or something. <laughs> and, you know, he jumped right in, you know started writing songs with everyone around town. And then next thing you know, he's sitting there with the Jason Aldean cut, Michael Ray cut, Justin Moore cuts, you know, and he's writing the songs on top of his guitar talent. And, you know, at that time, you know, 
we really talked about him building a foundation in the songwriting first. And not only that, but kind of grow his Travis Denning as a person brand around town. And I feel like he did a really good job of that um, over those couple of years when we first started. And obviously now, I mean, it's, you know, we're, um, you know, a couple hits in at radio. And, and obviously since COVID hit, you know, the whole gig and, and being on tour has certainly changed. Um, but, you know, he's still, he's still working on great music. And, you know, we just, we're going to keep doing that as we go forward. Yeah, he's another one. Like you said, man, his guitar playing. I just haven't seen anybody like him in a long time, man. What what a crazy talent. And uh, it's a different time, you know, not just with COVID, but in general in artist development that publishers are now kind of the frontline artist development wing for even labels. We're the ones out there building the early stories and finding these young talent and, you know, getting them focused and getting them in the right zone, getting the music together to help build out their stories. Is there, and I, again, know that you guys over there at Red do a, a great job. And uh, like I mentioned, LJ, and I know there's, um, you've got some other things in the hopper that you're working on. Uh, is there a secret to how you do it? Cause it's interesting that both of your young ones, uh, young artists that are already up and rolling, uh, Adam and Travis, both, have cuts they both have hits they've, they've had hits on other artists prior to their own record deals which is as a publisher unique and something you hope for that, that not, you're not only signing an artist you're signing a great songwriter uh what a, a blessing it is when you find both and, and it works out like that but do you see like in our current environment uh what are some of your secrets or well you may not want to give up all your secret sauce on a public <laughs> address radio but it, what are some of the ways you see that, that are helpful to help pull in and develop talent to get to that next level, to get them to those, maybe the major record deal, or maybe they want to stay indie, but um, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I don't know if there is a bunch of secrets, you know, I, I still think it comes down to being able to recognize quality when quality is in front of you. And, you know, and I don't know if that's, and, and I'm not bragging at all. You know, that's not what it's about. But I do think you, you have to have some recognition and some editing capabilities to be able to go, that's the right direction. That's the wrong direction. Here's the song that works with this. Here's the song that doesn't. I think all of those things lead to the quality of what you're building. And, you know, like um, you mentioned LJ, and she's a good example of um, how things are changing. You know, I mean, with with both Travis uh, or Adam, you know, we really didn't release music on them before we went into uh, major uh, label record deals. But with LJ, what we've done, knowing that we have some of this time to get the content right, to get the music right, um, and just start exposing um, exposing her and building fans that that can last longer than, you know, honestly, some, you know, maybe some artists that are at record labels that are somewhat waiting in line um, to get released in this environment because there's been a pretty big time out put on, you know, releasing new artists or new singles on people who haven't broken yet. And so my whole thing with that was like, hey, let's turn that negative into a positive for the ones that we can't hear at the company. And so that's what we've done with her. 
in releasing music and, and content. One thing that amazes me about you is time management. I don't know how you do everything you do because now, now I'll blow your ego up just a hair in a good way because like you continuing to have hit songs on as uh, still as a writer, you have some very successful artists now uh, uh, that you work with and have helped develop. You have young artists that you're grooming to develop. You stay involved in all their careers and you're a family man <laughs> with three, ch four children. Uh, and how do you find time to do all that and stay sane? That is just massive amounts. And I can state because we've done some work together. Jeremy's probably one of the most organized people I've met and a great partner because he's super organized and is down to business when it's business time. But how do you stay sane, Jeremy? I don't even know how you do all that. Well, you know, I have great people around me, you know, I mean, from my family to here at Red, you know, um, Brooke Antonakis has done a really, really good job. Um, you know, she's, she's been here almost five years and as time has went by, you know, she has taken on more and more responsibility, uh, in, in a lot of the areas, you know, that, that still allows me to be creative and work on things that, you know, creatively drive the company, you know? And, and so, you know, and I have, um, Taylor Lamb here also, who, um, has been here a year he's doing a really good job as well. You know, in, in the producing stuff, I have a great production assistant. Like, I just try to surround myself with people who work hard, who I can depend on. Um, and, and you know, it's been, it, it's, it's, it's been really, really great, you know. And um, without all of that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do everything, you know. And, uh, yeah, I just feel really fortunate. And, you know, and, and, and honestly, I mean, I, I'm an early riser, you know. Um, yeah, I'm up. I'm at least by usually five or five thirty in the morning, and and um, you know, by the time I write a song at ten or eleven, you know, I've I feel like I've handled most of the things in my day, and my mind my mind can be free at least until you know after I'm creative and I can go back to it. Um, and so I just try to keep that discipline within reason, you know, uh, through the years. I will say that Jeremy's one of the few people I've, I've worked with that will call me at seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning to discuss business, which I too am a morning riser. So I feel you, man. That's, I get a lot done in hours between five and nine when most people are rolling into the office. And, and for me, I have to get my head together. So that's, that's my getting focused time. So uh, I, I love the fact that uh, you do that and are able to have the discipline to do that, to, get the business done, still go in a room and be creative. That's a hard part for me is switching gears from running a company to also then pitching songs and getting into the creative space. Cause it's, 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 it's a little bit of a, a gear shift. Is there something you do creatively for yourself before you go in a room to write that helps you get in the creative space that, that helps you switch from the business space? Well, you know, I mean, I mean, my philosophy is, I think I'll probably always, uh, not based upon time, but, you know, I started as a songwriter and I'll always be a songwriter and maybe it's just a mind trick. But for me, it's, I, I look at the stuff before like a songwriting session is, Hey, I got to get this done so I can go have some fun, you know? And that's, that's kind of how I view it. You know, it's like the writing time is fun because I learned a long time ago that if you're not having fun in there, there might be certain days that you'll write a great song. But I'm at the point in my career, I mean, I want to enjoy it, you know, and I, 
I've been in enough rooms where I didn't enjoy it, and I just don't do those as much anymore, you know. And so I, yeah, I just, I just try to get to the fun. You know, which I, I, I love that the fun part. Yeah, the passion. See, that's what I. Again, I use the word passion to describe you're very passionate about the writing, which allows you to continue to uh, keep it at the at such a high level and continue to be successful in that. Because that that to me is one of the the biggest challenges. It's for me, it is the same. For when I get to sit and listen to catalog and songs and pitch songs, that's my joy. And I kind of do the same thing. I get all the crap out of the way, the business stuff first, so I can go do that. Because I always have, I never have a bad day listening to songs. It's always so. That's my songwriting, I guess. For you, right. songwriting, where you go in there and have a good time with your buds and and uh, and get a great song out. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AIMP Nashville Podcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us at AIMP Nashville to keep up with news, events, panels, and even new episodes. The AIMP Nashville podcast is created by executive producers Dale Bobo and Tim Hunsey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. Thanks for listening and supporting the AIMP Nashville podcast. 